Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate not only my 40th year, but the milestone of 100 chapters of the original blog. I will start from the beginning and move through 14 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me, celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. I never thought Kel on Earth would still be here. Part 1, Chapter 5, Mandalay, November 2008. A month later, and I feel as if I still remember Mandalay with detail. Most people my travel companion and I talked to before we left expressed their complete indifference, if not fully emotional annoyance, with the city. All we had been told over and over again was how hot and dusty and generally crappy the whole experience was. Sure, it's cool to see where the last monarchy fell inside the walls to the royal palace that sits in the middle of the city surrounded by a 70-yard wide moat. It's cool to climb Mandalay Hill to see the surrounding area, but mostly it's cool to see everything else in the north, except Mandalay. As far as I can tell, these losers had to try very hard to hate Mandalay. My traveling companion and I found Mandalay to be a wonderful mix of modern and traditional Burmese culture. In Yangon, for example, there's almost an undercurrent of embarrassment for some of the traditional mores, which may be because of the more pronounced military involvement and a distinct and unavoidable difference in class and modernity, of which Yangon citizens always seem to be aware. Mandalay, on the other hand, is rather remarkable. In a country where the military has been in control for 60 years, there's almost an arrogant yet heartening pride in the city's monuments, both working and ancient. I don't know if it makes sense, but I got an unshakable feeling of being in Manhattan almost the whole week we were there. Strange, I know, considering issues not the least of which are language, population discrepancy, and, well, capitalism. But there was, I don't know, something there. Something in the, yeah, so what? We're Buddhist. We're proud of our culture in a way you can't understand, and we're figuring out what to do about our future. You got a problem with that? That makes me smile to myself and give respect to these dichotomous people. I think my appreciation might be due to the fact that while visiting other countries, one gets a distinct impression of keeping up with the Joneses, obviously the U.S., uh, while being mostly content with leaving in the past those elements that make those countries individual and beautiful perfectly fine with emulating the great United States of America without considering the growing pains that the U.S. has had and could have avoided. On the way to bling and glamour and billionaires, many people have given up far too much of themselves. While there may be a bit too much in Yangon, in Mandalay there seems to be a pride of being non-Western. I love it. No feeling of not good enough or pandering to Western-looking faces. There was no open hostility towards us, but there was also a sense of indifference, generally, that was kind of nice. Now that I've been back in Yangon for a month, I can appreciate other aspects of Mandalay besides the coolly proud yet amused air of the Mandalese. I had bought a few longis there, which are the long skirts worn by men as well as women, and I find that the more beautiful intricate patterns and fabrics come from up north and are kind of impossible to find down here. I also find that traditional arts, including the use of age-old 
musical instruments and the practice of marionette drama are actively being kept alive by people there. Some of the shows, like the puppets and a group of men called the Mustache Brothers, act in defiance of a press for more confined ways of thinking. And they show that there are people, despite being arrested three times, like the first Mustache Brother, there are people still who are proud of the individuality of the city. Anyway, I feel like I already need to go back for a day to get a further do do dose of culture and unedited rebellion. The streets of Mandalay shocked me in their rather homey quality. The streets, though traversed by trishaws and an obscene number of motorbikes, and being pretty respectably potholed, were lined with trees that framed rather suburban-looking houses. Of course, they're not built in the same way uh, here as they are elsewhere, but the feeling of suburban life is still there. It was hot and dry, for the latitude we were at anyway, and there were ruins in the areas, in that area made of red rock. I felt that Colorado was wishing me happy travels. We found an internet cafe and an antique shop where I almost made my brother happy by picking up the coolest looking dagger ever. If only I had a uh, had a thousand dollars, darn. And tea shops with walls dedicated to the Simpsons and handicraft shops where wall hangings are weaved and embroidered from scratch. Are we seeing why I think people are full of it if they don't like Mandalay? The ruins surrounding Mandalay are amazing as well, mostly because the kings of old kind of wanted their own city location in which to build their massive payas to prove to Buddha that they were the most devout of Buddhists. Obviously, mine's the biggest. Hmm. Well, at least men are the same no matter the continent or religion. Good to know. If you're on Facebook, you can see my favorites of these ruins. <laughs> um, obviously the ruins, not the men. <laughs> I feel it might sound a bit like a museum tour if I get into detail here. And while all of these sites were cool, it was wonderful seeing the physical constructions that have survived into the 21st century in working condition. The monastery in uh, Amapura is still in place where the community can come to support the monks as they do their required time in a monastery as a boy, or if they've decided to spend their lives there. The Bien footbridge connecting uh, um, Amarapura to Tungthamen, a fishing village on the far side of the lake of the same name, still is the only highway offering residents the chance to get to and from work. It is rather remarkable being a mile long and surprisingly strong. My favorite of these working monuments though is Mandalay Hill. Now the hill itself is not the actual monument, though I could argue the counterpoint to that, is it has more to do with it being prime real estate for several statues and relics of Buddha. My friend and I had the amazing idea to climb this at sunrise and we were able to get to the top right as the sun was coming up over the hazy Shan Hills. It was beautiful. Any landscape in the country is like nothing I've ever seen before. Civilization has a distinct cutoff where in the distance, all one sees is green plains or dewy mountains sequined every once in a while with the bright stupa of a stunning holy place in a tiny village. Speaking of these small villages, we took the train up to Mandalay, which took about 17 hours when the flight, even stopping once to pick up other passengers, is less than two. And we passed many as they grew up right around the train tracks. In that kind of setting, on a train with a fully open window and little else to do for hours on end, one does tend to feel rather voyeuristic whenever a farmer and his oxen show up on the horizon and the fields, or when little old women stop in their trek from village to village with an impossibly large and misshapen bundle on their heads to rewrap her longi, or when little children are being bathed roughly by their generally good-natured mothers. 
it's fascinating, especially when, although one may be there physically in that place, one feels separate from the lives she observes. Welcome to my general state of awe in this country. I am here and will be for a while, but I'm fully aware that I'm not part of it. Either way, the train was amazing, with the hypnotic rattle of the cars across the tracks and the breeze of the day keeping us cool despite our slow ascent to the higher ground and brighter sun of Mandalay Division. I loved it, and when it was time to go home, I loved equally that the plane ride got me home quickly. This isn't all, of course, of my Mandalay experience, but I'm very aware of my two pages and the potentially flagging interest of my readers. Can't wait to see you all for Christmas and for a place to crash for some of you. We are down to 30 days. Welcome to my general state of awe in this country. I am here and will be for a while, but I'm fully aware that I am not part of it. Yeah. I think it's the truest thing I've ever said in my blog post. Okay, well, there you go. Nobody has to listen to any more of this. (laughs) That's the thesis. Yeah, I'm in awe of so much about people who live everywhere, not because they're different from me, but because of the sameness and the going on with their lives and in different ways. So I suppose it's a difference. It's it's more of a respect, just people living, people doing their things. And I know fully well that I'm I'm an other. Um, to that. So trying to be a respectful observer, traveler, fellow person, um, I think that's been a big part of my awarenesses that um, I am I am kind of traveling on the outskirts for so much of these that I'm observing other people's lives. And this chapter sees me noticing distinctions between cities, between this country's energies and regions and people. Uh, Up in the north, there's a lot more interaction with the different tribes of Myanmar, the Khan, the Karen, the Han people, uh, so I think that's actually why there was a lot more culture, the way that I said it up here, because Burmese are mostly in Yangon, or were mostly in Yangon, and there was more of an opportunity up north for people to interact with one another. Yes, there were still a lot of Burmese people in Mandalay, they are the Buddhist not the only Buddhist population, but they are the the biggest population of Myanmar, why it used to be called Burma. But that cultural engagement was, I just don't remember, and I still don't, thinking about it now, I don't remember seeing that much in Yangon. And I, over my two years there, it was only two years, but I was quite engaged with getting out and trying to explore and see and do 
Um, and I know that I missed things, but it did seem a lot more, mm, uh, well, more urban and more wealthy in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, not always. There were still a lot of people who lived in very small mm, makeshift houses and settlements. So there was still a massive divide between the haves and have-nots. But there, as far as cultural expression, I saw more of that in Mandalay. So maybe maybe what I'm observing is uh, Mandalay showed a distinct middle class. I did mention that, the fact that I saw suburban feel, suburban, suburban feel, um, while in... Yangon, there was the extreme rich and the extreme poor. And I do not love my discussion of civilization. I mean, it's not its not bad. I'm not saying that people who lived up in the hills aren't civilized, but what I mean to say, it's like having, you know, light pollution from an area. You see where there are mass groups of people and then you look into the hills and you see these little glints and the stupas uh and if if that may may not be clear a stupa is the the well the tea at the top of the stupa or paya these are these religious um buildings uh built to in these cases uh to to honor buddha place to pray um they're not really churches per se because many stupas aren't large enough to go inside, but some of them, some of them are, are rather big, and some of them are small enough to have a shrine or something inside of it. But the tea at the top, it has, you know, glass or you know, mirrors or sometimes jewels, and so they glint in the sun. And being at the top of Mandalay Hill, seeing all of those little sparkles on the hills at dawn. Oh, I was not happy with my traveling companion that day. Up before dawn, walking up this big old hill, and it's probably not that big of a hill. I can't remember the steps. I, I must have written it down somewhere. Um, wasn't that big of a deal. Didn't take hours, but we had to get there, and then I don't know, probably 20 minutes, half hour, maybe less. Like I just remember being grumpy because it was still dark. <laughs> oh, and the beautiful cultural. There were these, all of these things outside of the city. So there was Mandalay and then across the Irrawaddy River, there were all of these areas where different kings had built and created. So um, there were, there, there was the Bain Bridge, which we saw that was, it's still, as far as I know, the longest wooden bridge in the world and it's still standing and it's still functioning uh, that people can go across um, into Amarapura. There were these old, gosh, and just stupas everywhere and places to honor, you know, queens or uh, concubines or wives and these these beautiful places to to engage with and look upon. And it was, there was just so much history there. So all of these people who lived right next to culture, right next to their own history, 
there was a honor in that because again even when you have a military dictatorship you you don't necessarily know what they value usually it's not culture usually it's not the arts um so having mandalay have such a strong art scene in its relative middle classness perhaps was was really fun to engage with and i think maybe that's my connection to manhattan because when i think of new york city i think of i think of cultural events you think of broadway you think of uh times square you think of um all of the museums and the uh textiles and you know the garment district you think of all of this amazing architecture and people who <laughs> as a result of the mixture of of what all that means plus being in a tight space plus having certain restriction and a history of of violence and and real grittiness and intercultural relations there's kind of like what are you looking at and um i think that's where some of that um view comes from and the train ride perhaps that's also why it was so distinctive because the train ride up i literally could have walked i could have stepped over this probably 2 meter long wide uh window that didn't come above my thigh when i was sitting down i could have just stepped out of the train we were on that thing for 17 hours just lazily making our way north and then you reach this town where people are like i'm busy what are you doing get out of my way it was it was lovely It was a great trip. And I at this point I'm starting to get a broader understanding of of Myanmar. Though I can tell you that I never really got a I mean how I was only there 2 years. How can you get a full understanding of a place, of a whole country in that time? But I was enamored all the way through. I was enamored. Thank you so much for joining me here at Kel on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where while Kel remains enamored with Myanmar, there is a bit of an imbalance that's beginning to take shape, a bit of frustration in how I'm able to live my life. Where does that come from if everything is done for you if you live at a hotel? Hmm. Well, I'll see you next time. Have a good day.